how do you know that somebody was successful because they did that or in spite of the fact that they did that? So it's actually really helpful as the inquiry about like, what is it about that type of strategy or that way of thinking that I think can be useful or not? And then you gauge that against your own experience to say, hey, does that make sense? You're listening to Young Smart Money, a podcast that inspires young entrepreneurs to take their personal finances to the next level. My name is Apple Kreider, and I am a huge personal finance nerd and entrepreneur who's constantly looking for a better way. Whether it's amassing millions of credit card points, learning which parts of the tax code can work to your advantage, or just figuring out how to run your business as smart as possible, I am all about it. Join me as I sit down with some of the smartest financial planners and specialists for young entrepreneurs out there and extract the action steps you need to get the most bang for your buck from your business. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're diving deep into legal structures. Now, this might not be something that you've ever thought about at all for your business. Maybe you've thought about it a little bit. Maybe you hopped online, Googled how to start an LLC, went on LegalZoom, and that was the extent of your um, legal planning. But regardless, uh, it's something that's really, really important for entrepreneurs to consider, whether you are large or small, finding ways to strategically structure your assets, structure your business so that things are protected, so that things are where they should be, and so that taxes uh, flow as efficiently as possible. Make sure that you're not paying more in taxes than you need to be. So Scott Royal Smith, he's a pro. He is the CEO and founder of Royal Legal Solutions. They uh, do all kinds of stuff in the asset protection and legal structuring space. So I was super stoked to sit down with him and dive into the different options available for both the solopreneur and the uh, entrepreneurs a little bit farther along in terms of how they can legally structure their business to be the most tax efficient as possible and to make sure that everything is where it should be, everything is protected. And so we're diving into all of the questions from the basic uh, stuff surrounding like what about business credit cards versus personal credit cards? We're talking about separating bank accounts. We're talking about all these different things that you might not think about, but can actually be really important, especially if you do end up in legal trouble at some point throughout your entrepreneurial career, which as Scott mentions, is actually a lot more common than most people would expect, especially young people, man. Like I'm not the type of person who expects anything to go wrong when it comes to like the legal side of my business. I'm not just walking around thinking like, oh my gosh, I might get sued today. Cause like, you know, I, I do things over the table. I'm not doing anything sketchy, but I mean, you never know, like stuff could happen. And if stuff does happen, you do want to make sure that, uh, that, that people aren't going to be coming for your house, going to be coming for your car. Like you got to make sure that the things are set up correctly. And there's a couple small tweaks that, can, can really go a long way. Scott's also going to dive into uh, a few more advanced strategies as well. Um, that the two LLC strategy is one that I think is you guys are going to benefit a lot from. It's not that complicated, but it can really end up saving you a lot of time and headache if something does happen to go wrong with your business because you got things effectively separated. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to turn the mic over to Scott. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. All right, Scott, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm having a great day, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So I want to kick it off. I want to dive right in right away. No need to waste any time. And so I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most of the listeners to Young Smart Money are, are very, <laughs> their, their level of concern with asset protection and just the legal structure of their business is not something that they have spent any more than a few hours thinking about throughout the course of doing business for potentially uh, years. So 
I, I want you to just dive in and, and, and kind of give us an idea of if you think that's an issue um, and if so, how that might um, be an issue down the line for some of these young entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I'd say the first thing you want to look at, um, you know, when you're looking at all these things is like, who are the people that are really, who are the wealthiest people that you know in your life, right? That have actually built companies on their own from the ground up and try to model after the success that they've built. Um, and that's what I've done, right? So I'm 35 years old. Um, I waited to start doing my entrepreneurial and work in earnest. Um, and, and I waited till after I uh, was in my second year of law school. And that's when I bought my first um, commercial property that also had an active um, transmission and auto repair business inside of it. And then we flipped that company and the building for me and my partner to both graduate from law school without any debt. We were the first ones to ever do that from that school. Um, and, and, and that's like, you know, that first process, right? Like where you're, you don't know what you're doing. You're just jumping into something. You're like, I can figure it out as I go along. And um, it's going to be really hard in the very beginning, but I'll figure it out. Right. So um, after that, I uh, continued to invest in real estate um, while I was working inside of legal as a litigation attorney, and I was making more money doing real estate than I was being an attorney. So I was like, getting a job is for suckers. So <laughs> let's just go back into uh, just do the the money hustle, you know, on real estate. It seems pretty cool. And I hit my financial freedom doing that, where it's like your passive income equals your, you know, expenses, which is something that I think is always your first target, or it should be your first target. Um, that you hit too. You know, everybody wants to be a billionaire, right? But how about just get financially free first with safe passive income? It'd probably be a pretty sweet thing to do. Um, and uh, and then my life kind of turned on just helping other people do the same thing. So now my company, we focus on how to how to build from zero dollars to twenty five million net worth, how to accomplish financial freedom, and what are the systems and processes that are really predictable that I've been able to study over the last six years of like how do people actually do this. Um, and what makes this kind of unique is that we don't just teach about it, is that we actually do the implementation side of it because we're a firm, right? So we consult on the estate planning, the taxes, the asset protection, and all those pieces. So anybody that tells you just to go out and get an LLC is just stupid, right? Um, <laughs> because that's just not smart advice. It's just not helpful for um, people to sit and that are older than you or um, more experienced than you and just like, didactically tell you, like, here's what you need to go do. Um, it's not helpful for a couple of reasons is because one is that how the hell do you know the difference, right? How do you know that somebody was successful because they did that or in spite of the fact that they did that? So it's actually really helpful is the inquiry about like, what is it about that type of strategy or that way of thinking that I think can be useful or not? And then you gauge that against your own experience to say, Hey, does that make sense? And that won't always help you make the best decision. And like sometimes you'll make the wrong decision, but it'll be your decision that you're learning from instead of just copying somebody else's um, like didactic playbook. And you have to weigh that against what are the best practices and methods that are repeatable, right? And that's where we kind of come into place as being like, hey, you know, I think, uh, I think very entrepreneurially, very outside of the box, very creatively, but at the same time, let's always keep studying what are the best practices that people do. So get, forming just an LLC for the fake of forming an LLC is stupid. Forming an LLC because you're like, well, I have things that I need to protect. Even if I don't have assets, I have a credit score because I need access to cash, you know, and I want to be able to protect myself from the business. If something goes sideways, somebody gets pissed off because there's a lot of crazy people out there. Now, if you can take that one strategy and then stack it with another strategy, now you've increased the lifetime value of the investment inside of an LLC. And so how would you do that? Well, the first thing that you would do is once you start making over $50,000 a year, you would take your LLC and then file an S-corporation tax election to save on self-employment tax. 
And that's going to be good up to you making fifty to one hundred thirty thousand dollars in net income, like that you're going to report on your taxes. And there's a ton of other stuff that you can be doing in between, but that's really the first step. So. I'd say forming an LLC is dumb unless you can figure out why you need to form it, right? Do you need to form it because you want to protect your credit score? Do you need to form it because it's a smart thing to do to be able to look to how you're going to be growing your income and you want those things in place to be able to save money on taxes? Now the types of strategies layer on top of each other, the lifetime value of actually investing in that money pays off multiple times over the course of your lifetime. And that's how you can kind of cost justify um, some of these expenses. Sweet. Well, there was a ton there that I want to unpack. First of all, I'm sure most of our listeners have at least heard of an LLC before, but can you kind of just give an overview of like, what are the tax implications of an LLC as compared to, um, say, a sole proprietorship? Yeah, they're exactly the same when it's sole member. Right. So sole member LLCs are actually treated exactly the same as sole proprietorships for tax purposes. You don't form an LLC for that purpose initially right? When it's sole member, you form it because you want um, protection from other people trying to sue you or your company and ultimately damaging um, your credit score. So in this country, um, all these company structures, limited liability companies, corporations, as corporations, etc. They're all treated as different people, right? It's as if a fictitious fake person lived and they were named the name of whatever you named your LLC. Right. And that's how it works in the eyes of the law. So if, if your LLC gets sued or your business gets sued, it's like as if somebody else got sued. And that's the advantage of it because they're not suing you. They can only sue the company. Right. Um, now, they can sue anybody technically. Right. But we're worried about like lawsuits that will actually carry forward. Right. That you don't just simply get dismissed from, you know, at the first the first sign of things. So um, that's LLC info 101. Sure, sure. So it's basically a tool to to separate the assets, the credit score, the whatever of the business from your personal stuff. So that yeah, if something does go sideways with the business, you're not personally on the line for that. Yeah, hundred percent right. So what we're trying to do is is you the best ways of doing this stuff is that you should always be trying to compartmentalize all of your liability in one bucket and have all of your assets or everything that's worth something in another bucket, right? So typically we always are using like a two LLC structure um, for all entrepreneur, um, all entrepreneurs. And this becomes exceptionally important after you get any appreciable net worth that's above six figures, right? And I'm talking about like total amount of cash that you have or assets that you have in that six figure plus range you need to be running this strategy where you have at least two companies. One company does all of the operations and does all of the active business. It's the one that's going to be signing contracts. It's negotiating with contractors. You hire employees, everything through that one company. You have a completely separate LLC, right? Which is almost, it's in the eyes of law, right? It's a completely separate person. That's not you that owns all of your assets. And the reason why is because if somebody sues you, we want to make you like rich people. Rich people don't own things and they don't pay taxes, right? So the first thing you're going to do is not own anything. And the way that you do that is that everything is actually owned by your asset holding company. Second thing that rich people do is they they remove all the liability possible that they can from themselves. And the way they do that is through that second company that we talked about. That's your operating company. Uh, It by design doesn't have any assets. Typically, this is referred to as like a shell company. People like try to pretend in Hollywood like shell companies or something like crazy and like, oh my God, like it's a shell company, you know, or whatever. Nah, it's just an LLC that doesn't have any assets. It's not actually anything incredible. And everybody that's sophisticated at all always operates through those types of companies for all their active operations. So all the money that's made in that company is consistently bled off 
to the asset holding company or to the owner, which would be you. And that company doesn't ever own anything, doesn't ever accumulate cash. And it's our fall guy. So if there's ever a lawsuit, we just wind down that LLC and then we start up a new one and we're back in business on the next day. That was super, super valuable. And just to clarify for some of our listeners that are like, wait, is that legal? Like, can you just like give us the quick like rundown of like why, why the government allows a person to do that? Yeah, people created these laws because they, the government created these laws because they wanted you to be able to mitigate your risk. Like they create tax loopholes and tax strate- like tax strategies because they want to be able to guide behaviors. That's why these laws exist, right? If the government wanted you to be liable for absolutely everything, they wouldn't have created the laws. If they wanted you to pay taxes on everything, they would just say we have 100% tax and there's, there's no stipulations on that. You have to understand that these, these systems that go into place are actually lawmakers creating laws because they want to drive behaviors of you. Like they, they create certain incentives for the way they want you to act. So they actually want you to use these LLCs to be able to control your risk because when you can control your risk, they know that uh, in this one area, right, that you're going to be able to do better work um, and more creative work um, in the other areas, right? It's the same thing with like taxes, right? They don't want to take 100% of your money. What they want you to do is to make decisions that they think are going to be better for the government, better for the country by allowing certain behaviors to exist, right? Like, why do you think that we have uh, tax laws that are so advantageous um, that Donald Trump got pushed through with uh, for real estate investors? Well, they wanted to drive investment into real estate because they thought that that would be a bedrock of our economy. Not investing in real estate then becomes really stupid. Because the tax advantages of investing in real estate um, now are so extreme that now everybody's flocking to it. This is what actually causes the craze. So you might see a symptom, right, called everybody's going to real estate. Real estate must be amazing. But what really happened is that there was a fundamental shift in tax policy, right? So you just have to think through these things a little bit deeper, maybe, um, if if that's confusing to you about like why do certain things exist, and then it'll become really evident to you upon little exploration of it. But if you're not using the laws to your maximum advantage, you're just not playing all the cards possible. I mean, you're just holding yourself back. Totally agree. I mean, the government is is incentivizing you to to participate in certain behaviors. And so you not participating those is just leaving opportunity on the table. So um, I think that was very eloquently explained. I, I want to dive back in. So you mentioned like the two LLC approach, which was super valuable in and of itself. Uh, when it comes to somebody who's like a solopreneur, they're just like running a side hustle. They're, they're kind of getting started again, probably from that like zero to, to 50 or maybe zero to like $75,000 range. What are, what are some of the different options available to them in terms of legal structure? I know you briefly mentioned the LLC and the S Corp. Um, can you kind of detail someone who's just getting started? They so far have set up nothing in the way of legal structures. Where's, where's a good place for them to start? Yeah. So even before you, even when you're say like, let's say you're making 40 grand a year, mm-hmm. right? You would say like, well, there's no tax advantages to me to form an LLC. The LLC is going to treat it just like a sole proprietorship. I can still write off all my business expenses and everything else, just the same one way or the other. Why would I need an LLC? The only reason to do that is to be is to say, I want that liability protection if somebody sues me to not damage my credit score because my credit score is my access to capital, right? I probably can't VC money in, right? I probably, maybe I can get some money from Ma, you know, and Uncle Bob, you know, if I want to keep running, doing something, maybe, you know? But you're, for most people, it's their credit score is going to be able to, is their access to capital to be able to get their business launched off the ground, right? So you need to protect that with an LLC. And then 
when you get above that $50,000 mark, that's when you start looking at, okay, what are the tax savings options that are available to me? Okay, maybe I need to form a separate company now because now I'm starting to acquire, you know, I have extra cash at the end of this year. I'm not just burning through all of my cash, you know, every year. Sure. And is that $50,000 mark relevant because at that point you're, you're actually creating a, a decent amount of income or is it because you're retaining earnings or like why, why $50,000? Uh, it's the market which that I value what's the cost of actually filing a separate tax return versus the amount of tax savings that you get. So there's going to be an additional CPA cost and filing costs that you're getting on your taxes when you save on self-employment taxes. Um, and usually it's around 50 grand is like about where that value proposition starts to make sense. Okay, cool, cool. That makes sense. Now, are things going to change once uh, the, the person starts building a team? So once you have an employee or, or a contractor, whether it's a 1099 or a W-2, are things going to change in terms of what kind of legal structures they should be looking at? The no. Okay. No, absolutely not. I mean, what you want to be doing, I think, is you want to, when you get up to a certain size of your business, you need to have a few employees because IRS will say, well, you're probably actually treating contractors like employees and then you're going to get smashed with fines and all kinds of stuff, right? So, um, but, but up and like when you're, you know, just starting out into it, my recommendation is to try to, you know, watch the laws that are around that. And IRS produces like a laundry list. I think it's like 26 different items they use to evaluate uh, um, whether somebody is actually being treated like a contractor employee, but you want to be structuring your business around contractors, not employees, because there's all kinds of legal protections out there for employees that hamstrung you as a, as a entrepreneur, um, and you need the flexibility to be contractors, mainly because you're just not that smart yet, right? You don't have enough experience to really know how to hire very well um, and to know, say like, okay, this is somebody I'm going to partner with for the next, you know, five years, right? I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing to think of is there's just like a total rabbit trail to this is that like a lot of guys that I know anyway, they'll be like, well, I'm going to go marry this chick. I mean, like you're going to go marry this chick for the rest of your life, but you're having struggling to be able to find out like who you want to hire as an employee that you think will last for two years. I mean, let's reevaluate how well we are at judging how good relationships are at different phases of our life um, and how we see like how other people kind of make those kinds of decisions and, you know, just be smart about it. Personally, I assume that I, I'm not very good at anything until I can prove to myself that I'm way better than everybody else that I know into it. I'm really trying to find the best people I can. And then I'll be like, all right, cool. I feel like I'm pretty confident on that. And then I'll start locking things down a little bit more. But until then, I'll pay whatever it is or do whatever it is I need to do to be able to have flexibility because I'm going to assume that I'm going to screw it up. Yeah, I think that's not a very common mindset among most people, especially in the United States. Uh, I think we definitely very much overestimate ourselves in virtually every area. So I think taking that humility and, and realizing like, hey, I might not, let's just assume for a second that I'm not the best in the world at hiring, for example, um, and, and operating those, under those assumptions are, is probably nine times out of 10 going to get you better results than assuming you're the best in the world at it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can make the assumptions you want to. I mean, I've just gotten burned. I mean, I've lost millions of dollars by thinking I was better at stuff than I was, hmm. you know, just because I was having relative success. And that's part of the problem, right? Is that you start getting success in like one area, you know, and then you think that you're great at all these areas. You're like, no, that just one area went really well. That one marketing campaign went really well. That doesn't mean you're good at hiring yet, you know? Mm. Like the, you have to really try to like separate out those different kinds of information that you're getting and being like, oh, just because you made a bunch of money last year doesn't actually mean that you're really a great business person. That just means you hit like a really sweet marketing vein. Marketing and sales vein, 
that could dry up at any moment, by the way, you know? So let's be cognizant of these things and like be optimistic um, and hopeful about the future and driving towards that. But at the same time, you know, really trying to rely on saying, okay, what are best practices? You know, can I find other people that have uh, walked the same road that I did before I'm walking right now? And can I connect with them to be able to find out like what pitfalls that they wish that they would have learned along the way? And maybe I can learn from somebody else's mistakes. And that's what we do at like Royal Legal Solutions, right? I mean, that's the name of our game is how do we connect up people to where they're at in the journey? What's going to be coming up next? What does that look like? Um, so people don't have to walk it before. I mean, I've done that work, same kind of work with my podcast, the real estate nerds podcast with interviewing guys like Grant Cardone and, um, you know, all these top flight real estate investor types of people and talking to them about like, okay, what are the best practices? Okay. So you've lost a ton of money. You know, what happened in the times that you've lost a ton of money? And you start to learn that there's a lot more to this game than what you can learn in books. There's also like a mindset. There's also like who you are actually showing up in the world has a huge impact on the kinds of levels you're able to grow to. So it's a super deep game, this entrepreneur game for sure. But I would just say to like humility is probably pretty important because if the big guys that are out there that have tons of money now have lost tons of money in their past, like why do you think you'd be any different unless you're learning from them so you can avoid the same thing? I couldn't agree more. Now, outside of just having, having some humility in what you're doing, where are some other areas that you see entrepreneurs, whether that be young entrepreneurs or, or older folks, uh, getting burned, uh, especially on the legal side of things? Like where are some, some common pitfalls that, that you do see people falling into? Um, yeah, I see people being really loose, like in their contracts with people, you know, that being like a place that people can really focus in. Um, so so we, we've tried to like tackle that problem by what we call is like a family office membership. So it's like 97 bucks a month and you get like unlimited access to our team. Uh, to be able to ask them any questions, just like we're doing here on the podcast today, um, as well as like things that are really specific, right? Like, hey, what about this contract and whatnot, right? What happens is, is that you don't know what you don't know, right? And you don't know best practices until you've lived it or learned it. And contracts are one of those things that um, are foreign for most people, right? You, you, like, even if you read a contract, and even assuming that you can actually understand everything that's in there, you know, like those are two big things. Most people don't read them. And if they do read them, they don't understand them. You also don't know all the things that aren't in that contract, right? That could be in that contract that would otherwise serve to protect you. So the deal is, is why do I say contracts are so important? Is not just because, well, it's really important from the legal side of things, which it really is. But if you have to really think through a contract, it means you're really super clear on exactly what it is you want. And that's a hyper important thing to have as an entrepreneur. You need to freaking know exactly what it is you want in, mo- in as much detail as possible. And I've seen this be a superpower for guys that I've interviewed on my show, the Real Estate Nerds podcast. And the reason why I think, and this is just pure baseless speculation, well, not totally baseless, but pretty baseless, is that there's an element of your brain called a reticular activator. And when you can, it's like when you're going for a shopping for a car, right? And you're just like, hey, I'm looking for, you know, XYZ type of car, right? Let's just call it like a, you know, silver Honda Civic or something like that. You know, pretty soon you start seeing silver Honda Civics everywhere, right? Well, the reason that is because as your reticular activator, you've told that part of your brain to be on the lookout for, a retic- for silver Honda Civics. And now you start to pick them up everywhere. The same thing happens in all these other areas of your life. When you can get more clear on exactly what it is you want, 
to the level of saying like, I'm looking for a silver Honda Civic that looks like this, you know, even maybe in a particular model year, you start to see those every year. Well, the same thing happens with the type of people you want to attract, what are the types of opportunities that you want to attract, you know, all of that. And contracts are another way of doing that in the business font of it, right? This is exactly the type of deal that I'm looking for. It's going to look like this. Hmm. So for a listener who's not at all familiar with contracts, what are, what are some good, what are some good ways that they can, they can start getting, getting some knowledge in that area? Because uh, from, from a lot of the young entrepreneurs that I talk to, a lot of times when they need a contract, the first place they go is Google and they just Google contract template and they just kind of roll from there. So um, in order not to- horrible. Uh, yeah, That's better yeah. than some people. Like some people would just like sit up there and just start hammering stuff out on their own keyboard. <laughs> You know, but, but the best way to do it is actually steal other people's stuff or I, oh, sorry, I should say model, right? That's sure, our, sure. <laughs> that's our buzzword, right? You can't steal things anymore. You have to model. Um, but the best thing to do is actually just find other people that have done the work that you want to do and see what you got to do to be able to get their contracts. Right. So I work with guys that are like, that are at the next level for me. Right. And so what I'll do is I'll go talk to them, form relationships with them. And then, you know, um, they'll talk to me about like certain deals they did or whatever. Right. And, uh, then I'll just ask them, you know, like, Hey, can I, you know, I'm looking into that same type of deal and I'm struggling with, you know, exactly what does the paperwork have to look like to be able to do that kind of thing. I know, would you mind sharing with me, you know, one of the contracts you've done for like a deal, um, that may, may already be expired. Right. You know, maybe something that's in the past that, you know, something where they can feel safe about kind of giving me that information. Right. Because it's, you know, out of the, um, yeah, out of their current whatever, you know? Sure, sure. Um, but that's what you want. You don't, you, you really don't want to write it yourself. Look online is going to use something generic. You're not going to know if that's really good or not. But if you grab it from somebody else that's pretty successful, you can bet that they've, um, especially if you ask them like, hey, did you pay other attorneys to write this for you? Have they are, those other attorneys already vetted it? You know, what did you write this? What was the purpose of this contract? What was the, you know, you ask them like the, all of those questions and that's going to give you a good idea whether that document is one, something you can rely on and two is in the vein of what you needed to do. Mm, absolutely. And I, I, I totally agree. And that's an area that I haven't uh, focused as much as I should have on just making sure that the contracts that I do send and the contracts that I do sign are as focused on the deal that I'm trying to uh, create as they could be. Because I, I think what you, what you said about knowing exactly what kind of deal you want to get into is is not something that I personally do a lot. I generally have a, a, an idea of like, okay, this is kind of the agreement that we're getting into, but it's, it's, ne it's not as specific as it could be. So I think that is a very powerful takeaway is like know exactly what you're looking for before you just sign a piece of paper. Yeah, dude. That, well, because you're early stage, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's all actually is in early stage because you don't know what the hell is going on yet. You don't really know what your company is yet until you've at least done it for a couple of years because you're still just kind of figuring it out and you're following the energy of what seems exciting. What do you think mark product market fit is going to look like and whatnot, right? But what you can do is actually invest more time into studying more people that have built similar companies with similar skill sets, right? It might not be your company, right? But a similar company into it. And that will help you guide with more detail about like what, what you're going to look for into it. And you have to be ready for um, just to about 90% of the time that the energy that you invest in these types of endeavors that I'm describing here are not going to be directly fruitful. I think we're really accustomed to being able to Google stuff, being able to like listen to a particular podcast and say like, oh, that's my prescription. And now I'm just going to go do that. 
right? And the reality situation is, is that most of the most successful guys that I know spend way more time wasting time than I do, right? And I'm trying to get better at wasting time. And by wasting time, I mean going through that whole process of talking to tons of people, looking at tons of stuff, and then being like, okay, I'm going to make that little decision now into it. Because the game is not how do you get from A to B as quick as possible. It's how predictably can you get what you want, right? Can I get financially free in five years? That's pretty exciting, right? You'll see a lot of guys that'll be like on Instagram or whatever, right? They'll be like, oh, I did it like in a year, whatever. Cool. Well, that, that might be like the one out of 10,000 case, right? That might be the only things that you see on social media. That shit ain't real though, right? You need to get real with like, how does it actually happen? How do I get predictably there? Because the downside is if it doesn't happen in a year and it doesn't happen in year two, three, four, or five, your buddy just made it in year five, right? Into it. And you might not ever make it unless you change the way you're thinking or you're five years behind now of where you could have been if you would have just sticked with what are the more predictable ways of actually growing your company, achieving your financial freedom, growing your net worth, building your business the right way from the ground up. Mm. So uh, you, you've mentioned a lot kind of modeling success. So can you share with us an example of uh, some, some way that you were able to find someone who was a couple steps ahead of you, model that, and then use that as a way to predictably move forward along this path? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that we work on with Royal Legal Solutions. So we have our, our Facebook group um, that we can introduce anybody to. If they come to the website and just fill out anything, right, you'll end up getting our weekly emails. We just send out like one email a week that says, here's all the new stuff that we've put out for this week. Um, so it's super lightweight um, in the inbox. Um, but one of the things that we're continually getting people uh, in, to be more responsive to, and one of the things I'm committed to is our, our Facebook group that's around that because it's a great place to source out people that are, you know, mentor, light mentorships, you know? Uh, everybody like has this fundamental need to want to help other people, especially ones that have had success. There's a good chunk of the population that when they have success, they want to turn around and teach other people like how they did it, right? And they want to be helpful. So you just have to find the right pod or group of people um, that have that type of thinking that makes sense to you, you know, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you're down, like down with the way that I think through things or whatever, this is like the pot, this is my group to go jump into. You'd want to jump into our Facebook group, start interacting on there, finding people, start sharing some of the problems that you're having, some of the things you're struggling with, and then wait to see who responds to you. And then just follow up with those people and try to see if you can get them on the phone and then try to see like, Hey, well, are they willing to talk to you like once a week, or once a month or whatever, right. To have a check-in from somebody else. And maybe you have four or five people that you do that with to get all these different mentorships that people are just totally online. I do that with people and I've never even met them face to face into it, but I respect the shit out of the way that they think through problems and that the track record that they've done. And again, to get through to my top four or five people that I consult with, I've had to go through 50 or 60 to be able to have the ones that are there. So that's what I mean by time wasters. You need to waste a bunch more time. Totally agree. It's not going to fall into your lap. You got to go find that yourself. Um, so, so one thing that, that I'm also curious about, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, is like with, with legal structures in particular, we can talk about contracts too, but like when do you think, and obviously you might have a little bit of, of a biased opinion here, but like, when do you think that it is important for an individual to seek professional help with this stuff? Because like, obviously, if you're just like, if you, if you have a garage sale out front, like you, you don't need to, to form an LLC for that. You don't need to worry about protecting anything. And if you are running amazon.com, then you definitely do need to be thinking about this stuff and working with professionals. So 
where where in the middle do you think that an individual should uh, think about uh, potentially working with with some kind of firm or working with an attorney or just seeking some kind of professional help? Uh, yeah, so I, I'll tell you what I've done to address that same question is that um, we created like the DIY options, right? So we created options in there to say like, okay, here's a way that you can actually structure things on your own for like really basic levels that are going to be a little bit more expensive than legal zoom, but much more insightful with the types of materials that are uh, given through that and the level of strategies that we're able to to do with that, right? Because we also include some light support with that um, into it. But I actually, you know, that's like a response of here's a new product I created, right? To be able to help service that person. But the real fundamental problem is that if you are that person, you don't know if you need it or not, right? Like when would I need it yeah. into it? And the answer to that is that you won't know. So just do what the best practices are when you don't know. If you don't know what to do, follow a best practice. If it looks like the other people that are similarly situated to you that have built other companies are like doing that route, then just do that route whether you believe it or not. Don't think so hard, you know, like into it. And it's not a life or death kind of decision. I mean, you're, maybe you're talking like under a thousand bucks, right? To be able to get like everything, everything formed up and all of the other stuff going, right? How much of your time are you willing to spend um, to be able to fritter back and forth over whether you should spend a thousand bucks, you know? onto something that's a fundamental building block your business. Well, like all the time that you spend thinking about that, you'll never get back. It's just gone. You think time is free, but it's actually the only resource that they're not making any more of, right? And it's the one thing that you can control that will have the biggest impact on your overall success. So if it's something that you're thinking about and that comes into your mind, mind and time and time again, about, hey, do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? The answer in my mind is always just freaking go do it. So you can stop thinking about it and you can start focusing on the other things that you need to be doing. If this is something that ne you never think about and you're like, oh, well, this isn't an issue for me at all because I never think about this thing. Well, it's not costing you anything to be having that you know, virus in your mind, right? So I, I don't know if that's necessarily helpful, but that's the way I think about it. I'm always trying to clear cobwebs out of my head so I can single focus into it. And anything that like distracts me or comes into my head time and time again, I'm always thinking about like, I just got to solve that problem because it's actually like a mental vampire that's draining my energy just slowly throughout the days and weeks. I love that. I love that picture of a mental vampire. And I, I think that's so, uh, it's so applicable to my life. Um, and I'm sure it is for the listeners as well. I find that, yeah, if there is something that is coming up time and time again in my mind, I, I have to tackle that because if you don't, like you said, it's just sucking away your bandwidth every time you think about it. Even when you're not, when you're not thinking about it, it's still just in there like sucking away at your, your, your energy. So I, I, yeah, I have a habit of anytime I think of something at least like two, three times, it's getting written down on a list of things that I, I need to do. And then I periodically just go through that list and like, okay, this was something that I needed to do. I'm just get it done. So I think that's applicable in, in so many areas, not, not even just like legal structures, financial stuff, tax stuff, but just in, in so many areas of your life. Like if there are those things that keep coming up, there, there's probably a reason that they keep coming up and you should probably do something about it. 100%, man. It's all about being able to clear out the mental space and be able to focus on one thing. That's why, I mean, that, that, ultimately that's like my goal with my company, right? Is that that's what I think is actually cool. What's really cool that I get to do is be able to figure out how can people outsource whole sections of their thinking and their life um, 
over to what I do, the things that I've already figured out. And ultimately, to me, that's impact, right? It's really like a platform for being able to just offload stuff. So that way, people can focus on whatever it is going to be. It's either like in their business, creating more money, or whether it's going to be spending more time with their family, or going on more vacations, or whatever that is, or just being more at peace, knowing that things are taken care of, that they don't really fully understand and that they're worried about, right? Um, but that, I think that that's where it really comes down. Like the name of the game is like, how clear can you get your mind to work, you know, with everything else that's going on? and knowing that everything else that we've designed around us as a society is actually designed to keep you from being able to do that. So good freaking luck. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not, the game is not set up in our favor. So you gotta, you gotta work at that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That you just gotta be sure. intentional about it and you don't actually have to get there very quick from what I found. You just need to be intentional. Sweet. So, all right, Scott, I got, I got three quick questions that I got from listeners when they heard we were going to be talking to you. So uh, let's just dive into those real quick, and then we will call it a day. So the first thing that uh, somebody was curious about was in terms of actually like legally separating stuff with like an LLC versus like the actual like practical separation of like having a business credit card and putting all your business expenses on there, having like a business bank account running all your transactions through there like what is what is the importance here and how how does it impact like the legal side versus just like the actual like having these separate things and using them separately uh yeah so i mean really if you want the best takes on what to do this for early entrepreneurship you should read a book called profit first we're actually having mike mccallowitz the author of profit first on the podcast in a couple weeks so um listeners can stay tuned for that but yeah it's a really really high quality book Oh, right. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a great thing to do. And then once you can get down like the right behaviors, then the legal structure of things is going to become really evident, you know, self-evident to you about like, what does it work? Because there's actually not a lot of complication on the legal side of pieces. Um, if you're confused by that at all, uh, then of course, just hit, a, hit up our website. We got a ton of free info on there of like, here's the best practices of what you should be doing with that, right? Um, but at for early stage, especially when you're younger, you need to be... Um, not so worried about technical pieces. You need to be a lot more worried about behavioral pieces because it's actually being able to train your the right behaviors that are going to be the ones that are going to actually impact you long term. Totally agree. Uh, next question we had was, uh, am I likely to get sued? So in, in terms of just like yeah, running a small business, I mean, how how likely do you think someone is to actually face a lawsuit? Uh, well, real estate investors have like a 95% chance over their lifetime of being sued. Um, but that's because, you know, they're in an active business with contracts and dealing with people all the time. So um, it, it really is going to vary by industry. But I, I always say it's just stupid to play odds like that because the cost of being able to have the right protections and the right things in place um, are so low when you extrapolate them over the lifetime of your business. So why in the world wouldn't you just do things right so you don't even have to worry about it? Totally agree. The, the downside there is pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, it's unlimited risk, right? And like, even if it's a 5% chance, but it's unlimited risk that it can just wipe you completely out and destroy your credit score. Like, why the hell would you ever take that? Yeah, not, not, quite, a, not quite a solid risk to reward ratio there. <laughs> All right, right, last thing to close off on. Do you have any uh, ninja tips or strategies that listeners can walk away and implement or areas that you think it would be wise for them to dive deeper on as they continue on? Yeah, I would say like one of the biggest things to do um, as you tunnel in more and more to your business um, is, you know, of course, you know, find people that have walked the path before, connect with really high quality people that you think that you can respect their um, thought processes on um, that have made money the same way that you intend to make money. 
that's probably the best thing um, that I could could offer everybody is like a ninja hack um, that people seemingly don't do right, um, and that you can never have too many of those people. So um, I'd say recruit more of those people um, in your life um, and get better at wasting a bunch more time. <laughs> Words of wisdom, find people who have walked the walk and then be willing to waste your time. Scott, thank you so much for uh, wasting your time here on Young Smart Money. Do you have any um, last parting thoughts, words of wisdom or places where our listeners should follow up with you at? Yeah, the best place to go is just go to the royallegalsolutions.com website. Um, We kind of yeah, structure this website as like a choose your own adventure story. So you're going to see in, in, all kinds of things in there about like generational wealth building, entrepreneurialism, real estate investing. You can kind of just click through from the homepage to be able to find out like what are our best strategies that we've seen people use that are in that vein um, over and over and over again. So it's just the royallegalsolutions.com um, and, uh, or you can just Google my name, Scott Royal Smith. We should pop up. Sweet. Sounds like a plan. Well, Scott, I'll be sure to include links for that in the show notes for our listeners. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, look forward to it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. And I just as a special bonus for everybody on here, um, I'm going to make sure that we have uploaded our entrepreneurial quick start guide uh, for um, uh for businesses, for the business operations, tax savings, banking, accounting, insurance, all those things that we've been putting together for small companies. We'll have that up here on uh, March 13th. Um, So if anybody comes to the website after March 13th, you'll be able to download a free copy of that. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate you doing that. And I'm sure that's going to be a really valuable resource for all the listeners. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Have a great day. You too. That is a wrap. So I know I got a ton out of this conversation with Scott. He brought a ton of value when it comes to legal structures. I got all my questions answered and I hope you did as well. If there are any questions that we didn't answer that you wished we did, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram at applecriterofficial and I would love to help you out if at all possible. All of the links mentioned in this episode will be located either one inch above or one inch below where you're listening to this podcast right now. So just scroll to where you need to find the show notes and everything will be located right there. If you are interested in any of the resources we mentioned in this episode, head on over to applecreator.com resources and that will hook you up with all of the good stuff from my favorite credit cards to the services that I use on an everyday basis. And lastly, if you do want to support the show at all, if you are enjoying what you are listening to here, if you like the new style of episodes, feel free to drop a review on your podcast listening platform of choice, just kind of letting me know, what do you think of the show? What are your favorite aspects? What are your least favorite aspects? What do you want to hear more about, less about? I want to know what you are feeling. So head on over there and let me know. And I look forward to reading those. I do read each and every one. So I do value what y'all have to say about the show. And I really do take it to heart. So thank you very much for your time. Hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you in the next one.